Welcome back to The Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. As the Dashways are damming a stream on their holidays, a mysterious note appears asking for help. It's time for the Dashway detectives to get to work. Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Brilliant Boy. The Dashways, also known as the Dashaway Detective Agency, arrived in Tunniston in the blazing sunshine with a hint of breeze that made everything more pleasant. Detective work forgotten for once, they set up camp, ran around the fields, found wild strawberries, and sploshed in a lovely stream. The stream, Dig decided, was the project for tomorrow. Dig and Doug spent their evening with their heads together, trying to plan the perfect dam that wouldn't even let a drop of water through. But Dora stared outside, occasionally putting pencil to paper and sketching something. Dad was dipping in and out of a local newspaper he had picked up. Chess tournament, he said, disturbing their reverie. That's the next event in that Walderburn festival thing. It's here. Cool, Dig and Doug said sincerely. Both of them were chess fans and started dreaming of winning. But first, the dam. After a lazy breakfast the next morning, the dashways went down to the stream, buckets, spades and nets ready to go, with waterproof sandals on their feet and their swimsuits under their shorts. Diggory was ready to build, however long it took. The boys started to collect the biggest rocks they could and arranged them in the stream bed, trying to fit them together as closely as possible to minimise leakage. Dora, less intent, was collecting medium-sized stones, but frequently stopping to look at a pretty one and slip it into her pocket. The sun rose high in the sky and glittered in the water and blinded you if you looked too closely towards it. After they had built an impressive ridge all the way across the stream, Diggory declared it was time for a break, and they sat down and solemnly ate their apples. Leaning back in the grass, Dora let her gaze wander over the scene, thinking how much she'd like to have a house like these that backed onto the stream. How wonderful it would be. Her eyes flicked onto something white, dancing in the breeze on the end of a long string. It's time for the medium stones. Let's go, Diggory said, standing up authoritatively. Come on, Doug, Dor. Douglas got to his feet, but Dora was reluctant to leave her dream world and did nothing. Douglas looked down at her, then followed her gaze across the stream, where the piece of paper fluttered on the string. What is it, Dora? he said, and Dora shook herself. Oh, I don't know. Curiosity took over then, and the children scrambled over the stream and peered up the side of the wall to where the paper danced above them. Douglas put Dora on his shoulders, and she reached up into the air until she managed to grab it. The movement made Douglas stumble, and in his efforts to try to stop Dora falling, they both fell into the water, though fairly gently. Dora kept her hand raised determinedly so that the paper would not get wet. 
They all climbed to the shore, sat down in the sun, and Dora carefully unfolded the piece of paper. In the middle of it was written a single word in black ink and absolutely beautiful handwriting. It said, Help! Douglas let out a low whistle, and Diggory's mind began whirring again, the detective in him coming right back into centre place. Who could have written the note? What was wrong? What should they do? Surveillance, he said suddenly, and the others looked at him. We'll have to watch the house for a while to work out what is going on. We'll have to do it in shifts. Everyone wanted to be first, but Diggory won, and the others continued to build the dam half-heartedly as Diggory ran back to the caravan to find his binoculars, then climbed a tree behind and above where the others were. He watched. The morning drifted away. The dam grew stronger. The water pooled. The sun shone, and Diggory didn't see anything at the window. They went back to Dad for lunch, then it was Douglas's turn. He studied the architecture around, looking for the different type of cars, flicking his eyes and binoculars back to the window often. It was about the time when his tummy was starting to grumble again, as though it had forgotten the pork pies, giant tomatoes and crisps he had scoffed at lunch, that he finally saw something. A head, to be precise. A head just showing above the bottom of the window. A child's head with thick brown hair. Douglas watched closely and then another head appeared, though this one had a face, stern eyebrows, a long nose, glasses perched in a way that surely must be annoying, a small goatee beard and a mean expression. Douglas knew at once, in the way that you sometimes do, that he did not like this man at all. The man was speaking to the boy, but Douglas obviously couldn't hear anything. <clears throat> the man disappeared again in a few moments. The man was speaking to the boy, but Douglas obviously couldn't hear anything. The man disappeared again a few moments later, and then the string that had dangled the note started to be pulled up from within. Douglas felt a surge of frustration that they hadn't thought to put a new message on there. When the string was gone, the boy moved away and Douglas was about to go and see the others and tell them everything when the string flew out of the window again with a new piece of paper attached. Douglas climbed down the tree so quickly that his legs got scraped and his T-shirt slightly ripped, but he didn't mind. By now the dam was complete and the others were sitting by the stream, Diggory reading and Dora sketching. Douglas didn't stop, but plunged into what, thanks to their excellent dam, was now quite a deep, still pool, across to the other side, and reached up. Of course, he couldn't get it by himself, but soon Diggory was there to give him a leg up, and moments later they were reading the note back on the bank. Whoever found my note, I was serious, I'm being held against my will, and it's awful. Please help, please get me out of here. Sincerely, Jay. The Dashways looked at each other seriously. Douglas told the others what he had seen and Diggory let out a low whistle. If the boy was really trapped, they had some work to do. We could borrow a ladder, Douglas said eagerly, and use tools to open the window, then go and get him. 
in the night. Hold on, Diggory said, frowning. I think we'd better just, well, find out a bit more first. It could be dangerous and we don't know anything about him. The kids agreed and decided that tomorrow they would find out more and if it all fitted together, they'd attempt to free the boy the next night. The next day came round quickly. This time, Dora took up surveillance while the boys went into the village. Dora sketched the house from the outside from the tree, which helpfully had an excellently shaped branch in a sort of V that made the perfect place to sit. Diggory and Douglas asked questions. They tried not to make it too obvious and asked about the other children in the village and the houses overlooking the stream and whether anyone had come recently and were very proud of their cunning. More importantly, they found something out. Jacob Fletcher came to the village a few weeks ago, at the end of term. The house belonged to a Tony Fletcher, the boy's uncle. Most tellingly, no one had seen the boy once since he'd arrived. Dora, meanwhile, staring at the window, saw the man again, and again, now looking cross, now seeming to shout, but mostly she saw the boy's head moving back and forth. Surely it was the boy's bedroom. So, by the time they all met later on, they were decided. They were going to rescue the boy. Now for the plan. The kids spent the rest of the day scheming and plotting, gathering the things they would need, and persuading Dad that they wanted to sleep out in the tent again, though he wouldn't let Dora. After tea, Diggory went back down to the stream with a note they had written. Water exit, midnight, D.D. They had pondered for a while over what to write, for they didn't want the man to see it and spoil everything. They decided that this would do. The boys set everything up in the tent and turned the lights off when Dad told them to, but this time neither of them slept. They felt like ants were crawling up and down their bodies and the smallest sound made them jump. It felt like the biggest thing they had ever done and it was so important. That poor boy. But just thinking of that boy made them even more determined. Maybe, Diggory thought, they would have to tell the police and things tomorrow, but for now they just had to get him out. When Diggory's light-up watch said 11.30, they both scrambled out of their sleeping bags and put on an extra jumper. They unzipped the tent, which always sounded so much louder than you hoped, and stepped out into the grass. Just as Douglas leant down to zip the tent up again, there was a sound from the caravan. The boys froze. Inside, they heard Dad get out of bed, and then there was a click and a light turned on. Douglas and Diggory stared at each other as the sound of the door latch started. They were going to be discovered. But then there was another sound, Dora, crying as if she was having a nightmare and then Dad's footsteps moving to the end of the caravan. They were safe. Good old Dora. she distracted Dad. Let's go, Diggory said urgently. They stalked through the darkness, seeing animals scurrying away, or their eyes reflecting the shine of their torch. They reached the stream and waded across, then started to work. Of course, they didn't have a ladder. They had looked around for one they could borrow, but couldn't find anything. 
but Douglas had had an idea. He had brought Dad's easel and worked out that if they clipped and tied certain pieces together, it could make a passably good ladder. It was hard to get up to the first step, but they'd brought the caravan step to stand on. Douglas checked over all the joins with his torch, then pronounced them ready to go and held the bottom of the ladder steady. Diggory climbed up. His eyes ended up level with the bottom of the window, and he was relieved to see a kid's bedroom, toys, books, posters, everything. He tapped gently twice on the glass. And then the boy was there. Diggory saw a keen, bright, excited face. The boy pulled the window open immediately and goggled at Diggory. Oh, it is you. I hoped it was, he grinned. What does DD stand for? With a dashaway detectives, Diggory said shortly. He didn't want to be standing on the easel for too long. We're here to rescue you. We need to go quickly. Do you want to bring anything? It needs to be small and quick. Detectives, how marvellous, the boy said, then looked back around his room. Don't think I'll need any of this stuff. Let's go. Diggory climbed down further, then directed the boy's feet as he lowered them out of the window. It was a bit hairy for a few moments, but soon Diggory was stepping off the bottom of the ladder and Jacob Fletcher followed. Jacob and Douglas came face to face and stared at each other. Then Diggory jerked his thumb away from them to signal. Let's get away from here. And so they did. Diggory carried the easel and Douglas the step and Jacob seemed almost to float and dance and fly with excitement. It was clear they couldn't take him back to their tent immediately as they had planned, imagining a cold, lonely, sad boy who needed comfort and sleep. They went into a field. The stars and moon shone brightly above them and an owl hooted. Now Jacob laughed out loud and put his hands together, blew into them and hooted back. Douglas and Diggory were impressed. So, Jacob Fletcher, is it? Why were you being held captive? Diggory spoke firmly. The boy span round to them and his face was full of starlight. You really are detectives. Amazing! Well, you see, I'm meant to be doing lessons all summer because I didn't really work at the school they sent me to. And I'm meant to be very brilliant, he pulled a face. From another child, this would have seemed like boasting, Diggory thought. But this boy seemed to think it rather unfortunate. And so they've got me a tutor with a stupid beard and he's teaching me all day. And I'm not getting to run about in the starlight or splash in streams or be a detective or climb trees or do any of those wonderful summer things. Diggory and Douglas looked at each other. So you weren't actually in any danger, Douglas said flatly. Danger? Well, danger of being bored to death and having the worst summer ever. Jacob laughed, then ran over to the boys and threw an arm round each of them. But now I can have adventures all day and hunt for food and live in the woods and cycle across England and all sorts of things. No, you can't. Diggory said firmly. You can't run away. We won't let you. You have to promise to go back or we'll have to get the police on you right now. Jacob looked surprised and shocked. You wouldn't, but you rescued me. We rescued you because we thought you were in danger, Diggory said, clamping a hand around Jacob's upper arm. Not so you could go running about being silly. And you should have just worked at school anyway. 
No, you can come and sleep in the tent with us tonight, but only if you promise to go home before they'll miss you tomorrow. Subdued, Jacob agreed, and the boys led him back, and very soon all of them were fast asleep. Dad was happy to have a visitor for breakfast, and Jacob proved to be delighted by a caravan fry-up. Though the Dashways tried quite hard to be annoyed with him for pretending to be in danger, he soon had them all in fits of laughter, with impressions of people from his school. Even Dad was laughing. When the time came for them to take Jacob home, however, he seemed to change. He wasn't laughing, and he kept looking over his shoulder and rubbing his elbow anxiously. The Dashways exchanged glances, Diggory frowned, and his mind began to whir. The tutor answered the door to the house. Jacob was looking very meek by now. I'm sorry, he whispered, and the tutor rolled his eyes. I'm glad you're back, Jacob. I was about to call the police. Come in, get clean, and we'll get back to your lessons. Jacob made the smallest, almost inaudible moan, and suddenly Diggory interrupted. Chess is very educational, isn't it? He looked up at the tutor, who seemed taken aback. Well, I believe... Good for strategic thinking and that sort of thing, Diggory said firmly. There's a chess competition happening in the village, and we'd like to practice with Jacob, if that's all right. He looked sideways at Jacob, whose face had lit up. Please, Dora said, with her very sweetest face. I promise I'll be good, Jacob said quickly. Just let me do one fun thing. The tutor looked between them, and a small smile came to his face. You're all very determined, all right? But only if you're doing your work, Jacob. Yes, Jacob shouted, and the Dashways grinned. You may come for him at four o'clock, the tutor said, precisely. And then he ushered Jacob inside, and the door closed. I don't think the tutor was that bad, Douglas said, fairly. I think Jacob is a bit dramatic. Dora said. At four o'clock they came for Jacob and played chess and rounders and tree climbing and a new hide-and-seek sort of game that Jacob said he invented while he was meant to be learning Latin. Over the next week Jacob's concentration improved so much that he was able to spend hours with the Dashways, exploring, climbing, playing and doing just about anything they could think of and playing chess. They played and played, with the boys all being a good match for each other. When the day of the chess tournament came, the boys all entered the junior competition. Doug got knocked out in the first round by a clever-looking girl, but Diggory and Jacob won all their matches until they played each other at the final. It was a tense game, with everyone watching every piece that they placed, and it seemed to take a long, long time. But eventually, Jacob announced checkmate, and everyone applauded, and Jacob, grinning, was given a a trophy. Dora looked around and saw Jacob's tutor looking very, very pleased, too. I almost let you win because of that time at midnight, Jacob said to Diggory afterwards, but Diggory agreed that he had done the right thing. Soon after, the clever girl and some other kids from the village came to chat and Jacob started to tell them the whole story. When they were walking home, Dora spoke up. 
I know Jacob wasn't really in danger, but I still think we rescued him, in a way. The boys agreed, and that felt nice. And being a detective wasn't always about danger and high crime anyway. Sometimes it was about helping a lonely, brilliant boy. The end. Thanks for listening. What do you think of the brilliant boy? Have you ever played chess? We'll see you next week. And why not listen to the Sapphire Islands, where Toby and Eva have to find their lost parents in the mysterious and magical islands. (laughs) 